0: welcome back to the podcast today i'm here with the trombonist educator composer all around fantastic guy i don't know how many more hyphens he wanted me to introduce him as but uh, (laughs) i've known him for a long time and that's dr javier nero and he has a brand new album that just came out called freedom and uh, so thanks for being here today javier i appreciate your time thank you thanks for having me of course, man. And um, so let's just jump right into it and let people know about this record because I know it's been a long time coming, and um, people are anxious to hear it. I'm sure I've uh, I've gotten some messages from some people that are like, "Hey, do you know when Javier Nero's record is coming out?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, actually, I do." Uh, so um, give us give us the rundown. So who's on the record, and uh, then we'll kind of dig into it from there.
1: Yeah. So. Um... I'm super excited that it's finally coming out too, because what a lot of people probably don't know is that this album was actually recorded, I think it was back in uh, 2018, actually. Um, I recorded, uh, it was a year after I finished my DMA over at the Frost School of Music, and um, finally decided to like, you know, once I was out of school, like let me divert my attention and uh, focus on making an album, and uh, so, I ended up sitting on it for like two years after that because then I got super busy trying to make money, all of the other pressures that happen once you're, once you're out of school. And so, yeah, finally. Um, so anyway, I'm pretty excited about uh, about the release. There's a lot of really great musicians, people that I played with a lot in, in Miami. Um, John Coz is the uh, trumpet player. Uh, Tom Kelly on alto saxophone. Melvin Butler, who uh, some of you may know from, um, I think he played with the Brian Blade Fellowship. Recorded on many albums with him, he's on tenor saxophone. Um, let me think about who else: uh, Tall Tall Cohen on piano, uh, Dion Kerr on bass, Aaron Kimmel um, on drums, and then we also had a few special guests that flew down from uh, New York, which uh, Aaron Kimmel was was included, although he recorded on the full record. Um, uh, Brian Lynch recorded on uh, trumpet and flugelhorn on a couple uh, tracks. Um, Shelly Berg on piano, and uh, Lauren Desberg, uh, vocalist, um, recorded on a few of the tracks, and also a good friend of mine, Kyle Faye, played on uh, Vibraphone. I think I'm mentioning everybody: uh, Russ Spiegel on guitar, also. I think that's everybody. If I miss somebody, then uh,
0: they'll they'll just let you know you, later.
1: You <laughs> come come find me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So the record's called Freedom, and you can find it uh, right now on Spotify, Apple Music. You probably on Javier's website, I'm guessing. Javier, what's your website so people can uh, go to it while they're listening and download your record?
1: It's just uh, my name, JavierNero.com. Cool. And Javier with a J, not an X.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, with a J. Um, So tell us a little bit about, you know, coming up with the concept for the record, coming up with the compositions, Uh, is it a collection Of stuff from a a while is it kind of you wrote specifically for this project what was kind of the impetus for the inspiration for the project
1: well you know what's funny is that like this really started a long time ago um on some of like these like really extensive liner notes that i wrote when trying to like think about what to write about i really went into detail about how i first started writing music when i was at juilliard and i got placed into this combo that ended up being essentially the core instrumentation of the of the, um, of the album, which is a septet, um, four horns, uh, and piano, bass and drums. And so I kind of had like a kind of a friendly competition with Kyle who who's playing on uh, vibraphone. We always would try to write new songs for every rehearsal. We would try to come in and have something new. Um, and that was twice a week. So I started just building this huge, like collection of songs. Um, you know, and over time, obviously, I went back and would edit some and try to add add to them as I, you know, got better at writing, etc. But that was like a really huge period of time of like development, just trial and error, and having like a really great band of people to play my music um, twice a week. Um, so some of these songs are songs that I wrote um, back when I was at Juilliard, and then some of the songs are stuff that I wrote. Um, I think uh, the third and fourth track I tried so hard, um, Crystal Lake. Uh, Double Vision are some of my uh, newer songs, whereas um, Discord actually and Reality, Freedom are songs that I wrote back uh, at Juilliard. So they're you know getting close to 10 years old now, but uh, they're songs that I've always kind of revisited and edited and come back to, so.
0: Nice. And uh, so let's give people a little bit of context about kind of your background and because uh, you came, so. Remind, you went to Juilliard straight out of high school. And so where did you grow up and how'd you get into playing trombone and what led you to um, pursuing a degree at Juilliard?
1: Yeah, so uh, I had a pretty standard childhood. I, I, I guess I would say um, I grew up kind of like a middle class uh, family in uh, Federal Way, Washington, which is at, right outside of uh, Seattle area. Um, didn't really play music much at that point in my in, um, in my life. The system back there was uh, elementary school to junior high and then um, and then high school. And we ended up moving right before I would have been going into my sixth grade year hmm. of, uh, of elementary school. But then the area we moved to, which is Vancouver, Washington, a suburb of Portland, they had a new system. So when I went into sixth grade, I was actually starting um, as like the lower echelon uh, middle schooler instead of being the top dog at the elementary school. and. Anyway, um, I ended up getting pressured by my parents to join band, um, and my mom went to a, an old friend's house, grabbed the uh, grabbed a trombone that they were selling at the garage sale. I think it was an old Ambassador trombone. Oh, nice! She got it for sixty-five dollars. I'll remember that because she kept telling everybody about that all the time. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I got forced to play to join band. I ended up really liking, and I made a lot of friends there. Actually, some of my best friends that I still keep in contact with are people I met in middle school band. We school and um, specifically the jazz thing um, the Portland area had like a lot of opportunities for that um, my I- initial intention when I first started uh, playing music was to play classical music that's what I was more I was introduced to in the, in the school programs um, the public schools have like really strong marching band wind ensemble all that kind of stuff and um, when I really started getting serious about my sophomore year of high school I had joined this uh, group called the Metropolitan Youth Symphony And so I was playing in that group. And then I also started playing in um, a trumpet player in Portland, Uh, his name is Thera Memory. He passed away just a few years ago. Um, He had like a really um, intense um, high school program. It was like a conglomerate group from like all of the top students around the Portland, Vancouver area. And it ended up coming to the point where I had to make a decision which group I wanted to play in because Mm -hmm. they were both too involved. I ended up doing the jazz group because I knew that we were gonna be traveling and I thought, that sounded cool and really that's the reason i ended up uh falling in falling into jazz i mean other than the fact that my dad was always really a big fan of jazz listening to records and stuff on the you know as a kid growing up so there's like those two mm-hmm. two kind of things ended up pulling me into that direction
0: nice and so yeah. what what got you what led you to new york after all of that
1: you know it's funny is like the same thing kind of with uh, almost like these kind of circumstantial things rather than me actually having like this very clear-cut set path like in my mind. um, When I was applying for college, I applied pretty much everywhere but Juilliard. I always thought that their audition requirements were like a little bit like absurd.
0: Like how many (laughs) (laughs) like
1: how many songs they wanted you to learn and stuff. I was like, oh, that seems crazy. Because at the time, like in high school, I I, I mean, I was a decent um, improviser. You know, but like I didn't really know a bunch of tunes, you know, and so just to just to do the audition at Julia, I was like, man, this is going to be like crazy. So I did not I didn't audition there. I applied to uh, University of Miami, University of Southern California, Berkeley, New England Conservatory, like almost everywhere except except there. And what ended up happening is I got accepted into the Young Arts program. Mm -hmm. Um, They had this thing called the Clifford Brown Stan Getz All-Stars. That's what they called it back then. Now I think it's just called the. Arts jazz group, I don't know what it's called, but we got to go to the IHAE. Um, It was the last one, I think it was in Toronto, Canada. Mm -hmm. And they didn't select a drummer for our group, so we had Carl Allen that sat in and played with us. So I ended up getting recruited to go to Juilliard straight out of that program. Oh, wow! You know, yeah, he was like, Oh, why don't you come audition at Juilliard? And I was (laughs) like, Well, isn't it past the deadline? Because I think this was already in like January. And he's like, Oh, don't worry about that. Like, you know, just get it into us whenever you can and then come do the live audition. And so I ended up doing the live audition in New York. And when I got accepted, I was like, well, I guess I got to go.
0: <laughs>
1: that, I feel like, uh, that's, you know, Juilliard kind of makes people you can make you offers you can't refuse. you know?
0: Oh yes. You get oh, accepted yes. to Juilliard. You got you to go. You know? Yeah, you're good. Your hands are tied. Yeah. I felt, so, <laughs> I felt the same. So, um, So I know even during that whole time at school and everything, you were always like super into composing and arranging and doing kind of your own thing. So I'm curious, what are some of like your compositional influences and just musical influences that maybe, maybe, or maybe not appear on the record?
1: Yeah. um, I definitely, you know, it's interesting. I, I definitely think that like this very Western Symphonic sound of like the wind ensemble is something that's kind of stayed in my head because you know like in high school You spend so much time playing the same pieces of music um, Leading up to performances, especially in marching band where you actually had to memorize the music So there's a certain type of sound like that that I've kind of and the way they write melodies and the way they orchestrate I think that that was probably one of my earliest influences and um, I think that that's that type of melodic structure and, and harmonic structure played a big role in the actual title track, Freedom. Mm. Um, you know, which which to me like sounds like a very stereotypical Western patriotic type melody. Mm. Um, if you did, if like, you know, if you took the orchestration out of the, the, the jazz rhythm section and heard it more of like, you know, more orchestral, then I think it would sound very much so um, like that. And then going more into the jazz side of things, like I've always been a huge fan of big band writing. Um, another one of my big influences as, uh, as a kid in high school as the airman of note mm-hmm. i used to listen to them like who have just like impeccable um ensemble playing um, bob mentzer's big band was like a huge influence for me um, uh, pat metheny's music is a huge influence uh, obviously trombonist jj johnson uh, our teacher steve ture i listened to their albums like you know like basically you know as a composer I, i'm sure you you know the students like the things that you really listen to and the things that you really absorb end up finding their way slowly into your music. So I think those are some of the biggest, um, obviously I'm sure I'm missing, uh, a few too. Kenny Garrett was like another huge influence in my, in my writing. Um, I was super into Sean Jones for a while, mm-hmm. the, the trumpet player, mm-hmm. Gerald Wilson's man. Um,
0: yeah. That's so an I mean, ob- there's, that's an obscure one for most people. Yeah. Oh it's yeah. Yeah. Like Gerald Wilson. Wilson. No. Yeah. Well, West,
1: West coast, you know? Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Man, we're you were, we were in that concert together, right? When he came to school, we came to Juilliard. Yeah, to yeah. Some, <laughs> so, yep. uh, some funny, funny things. Anyway, <laughs> I won't, uh, <laughs> won't go into those here, but uh, um, very cool. So what are, I mean, I know you've taken a long time to kind of get from the starting point to now, and this is your first record. So now kind of looking back to, f- we finally got it out if you are if you were gonna tell your own students or anyone like that, like what, some either advice or like tips along the way, because I know you did a Kickstarter and we, talk, we talked way back and whenever that was about about that. And then you had the record done and you did videos and you did everything. And it's just been kind of a slow build to this process. So is there anything you've learned through the time that you could maybe share that you think might be useful?
1: Well, I mean, I think that if you wanna do something, you just have to like, you have to do it. You have to just follow through and force yourself to do it all the way to the end. And um, that's something that like, I still kind of struggle with, I'm kind of a procrastinator, Mm. you know, so uh, I finally, you know, like, actually, the quarantine actually kind of worked out. Because now, like, it forced me, I was like, Okay, I'm not doing anything else. I have to do this. Now, there's no excuse, you know, because it's so easy to just keep making excuses about when you're going to do something people make grandiose plans about, you know, what they want to do with their lives and then just keep finding excuses of reasons not to do it. Um, I mean, that's like the biggest thing, you know, it's just mm-hmm. to, you know, take responsibility for your time. And, and if there's something that you want to do, make sure you actually force yourself to work on it every day until you, until you complete it, you know?
0: so mm-hmm. that That's, that's good advice. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you will be a fantastic uh, professor once you finally get Find this <laughs> opportunity to use that doctorate of yours. So I know, my, I hope so, yeah. I'm sure you will. So, what remind me, what did, did you get a trombone performance doctorate, or is it in something more? Um, I don't know if Miami has a different name for it, or
1: yeah, the uh, the DMA uh, Doctor of Musical Arts, the degree over there in the jazz program is called um, Studio Music and Jazz. Okay, and then I also did a cognate in um, classical trombone. Oh, cool. which means that like I directed all of my um, elective credits into that one focused area. So I took uh, trombone lessons and then I did like a uh, trombone choir and like this excerpt class with uh, Aaron Tyndall and Tim Connor with some of the low brass teachers there. So nice. yeah.
0: What, uh, what made you want to continue your studies in that way going from Juilliard and you went to, down to Miami and then you stayed to do two degrees, right?
1: Yeah. So, uh, to be honest, um, without getting into too much detail, like at the end of my time at Juilliard, I just kind of felt like burnt out, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wanted to get, I wanted to get a new perspective. Um, and, uh, I think most artists that have any type of vision for themselves at some point, you get tired of telling, having people tell you what to do, you know? So I I, I always used to tell people it's kind of funny because at the end of Juilliard, like it was focused on my trombone playing as, as a, not so much on the composition, so I felt more free as a composer when I was there because that wasn't what people were trying to tell me to, you know, to work yeah. on. It was my trombone playing, and then so when I first went to Miami, I was studying um, in the uh, it was called the studio jazz writing department. So it's basically a um, composition arranging uh, degree, but it also had a focus in studio and trying to like you know learn how to record and mix and all that stuff. So I was a good degree, and then by the time I finished that degree when I had someone telling me how to write then I, <laughs> then I, then I flipped, flip flop, but like, I mean, both of those were, um, the master's program was probably to be honest, the, the best degree program I, I ever did. Mm. Um, it was really eye opening. I got to write for all of these huge ensembles, like full orchestra, um, studio orchestra too, with like big band with strings and like the uh, symphonic woodwinds, you know, bassoon, bass, clarinet, and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that was a really awesome degree.
0: Very cool. So, um, what do you think? Like when students talk to you, I know what I think when people ask me, but what, when they say, should I go get my doctorate? What's the, what's your opinion? Like a jazz trombonist, like it comes up to you taking lessons. They're like, Oh, should I, I'm thinking, should I go get a doctorate?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I I don't know. I mean, I had a good time. I enjoyed my time at school. Um, I think that if you're if you're willing to be serious about it, I'm sure that you can get a, there's a lot to get out of it. You get to just rub shoulders with a lot of great musicians, meet a lot of like other young players that are interested in the same thing. Um, I do think that maybe, you know, if I did everything over again, maybe I would have taken some time off in between degrees. Mm, yeah. I think I think it would have made me appreciate um, the opportunities being granted to me by the schools, because like as a young person when you're 18 years old and you go to New York you know, I mean, and then, and then especially I went down to Miami by the time I finished my degrees, I kind of like towards the end there, I was kind of just like, I just want to finish. I just want to be done. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, I kind of found myself kind of doing the minimum requirements, sure. you know, to just make sure I finished the degree rather than actually trying to take full advantage of everything that was there. Sure, You know? So I think, yeah, like probably some work like real world experiences probably will make, will make, uh, will make people appreciate being yeah, in school again.
0: Definitely. That's what that's usually what I say to students, especially those that want to go straight into it. I'm like, oh, maybe you should get a yeah, little I mean, perspective, I, you know?
1: I, I, yeah, I went straight through all three degrees. So mm-hmm. I actually I think my, my graduation date for the DMA was like May eleventh or May twelfth. So it was actually ten days before I actually turned twenty seven. So I already had a doctorate age twenty six. Wow. So it's kind of like you yeah. know kind of kinda of crazy
0: really fast for yeah. comparatively speaking. So then you finish your degrees, you move back to New York and, uh, what, what's happening? What's, what have you been up to besides the record? Who you've been playing with? What are some things on the horizon? I saw you post a few things about some cool gigs that hopefully will happen in 2021.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like everyone else, like I had a few things canceled. I was really looking forward to going back to Portland this summer. I was um, been playing at the, it's called the Montevilla Jazz Festival. Hmm. Um, ended up getting canceled. Um, there was one other festival uh around that area too. I can't remember the name of it offhand. Um but like the stuff I'm really excited to uh to participate in now is um, the jazz cruise, which ended up getting cancelled, got moved to 2022. Oh that's
0: like okay. <laughs> sorry, I didn't know that. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it was supposed to be this January, it got moved to 2022. Um, but that's like gonna be super awesome. I'm gonna be playing in the big band. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's John Clayton's band, so there's like a whole a whole bunch of like great trombonists I think John Allred's gonna be in the section with me and Wycliffe Gordon and John Fetchock. It's like nice. crazy. I don't know yeah. why, what I'm I don't know what I'm doing there. And then uh and then also they also put together another um, uh jazz I think they're calling it like the Jazz Cruise on land and it's gonna be in Las Vegas and that's <laughs> supposed to be this February uh, February twenty twenty one. So hopefully that happens too. It's a lot of the same kind of members and I'll be playing like in a small ensemble I think with some different, like, you know, big name artists. So that would be really cool.
0: Cool, man. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, That's great. And so, um, what about in, in the city? Anything else you've been kind of doing, you've been <coughs> excited about?
1: Yeah, in the city, um, it's been, you know, kind of all over the place. Um, I, I was starting to play uh, pretty regularly with uh, Remy LaBeouf's uh, Assembly of Shadows. I started to mm-hmm. play with that group a lot. That was a really great experience. Um, did I think I had a couple, Gigs on the horizon with Manuel Valera's uh new Cuban Express big band. Um Robert Edwards Big Band, I was playing with them pretty regularly. Um among other like various like Swing Forty Six uh
0: like type
1: oh, sure. big <laughs> type big bands. <laughs>
0: um
1: uh Danny Jonicucci and the revisionists I did it like was playing with them a decent amount. Mm-hmm. And then uh before the before the um the shutdown I was starting to actually play pretty regularly in the uh Acidic Jewish community,
0: doing oh, a lot of those okay. types of jobs.
1: Yeah, yeah so you know, a little, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, and then also um, I played pretty regularly. I was like a uh, regular member of this Haitian band in, in uh, Miami called Class. Mm-hmm. And so anytime they came up to the East Coast or traveled abroad, I still usually play with them. So nice. that was usually maybe like once a month or so. I was doing stuff with them when they come up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Keep it yeah. busy. Keep. Yeah. yeah. Pre, you know so, what, what's, <laughs> so what's next for you you got the, this record's coming out do you have any vision for a new any new projects after this or are you taking a break or what
1: well you know it's like I have um, I started actually planning out like the second record just like like a few weeks ago I started writing oh, nice. I have I have such a backlog of, mm-hmm. of compositions um, that I actually think are worthy of being on a, on a record you know I have like so many that like I probably would never record unless I really back and spends a lot of time revising and editing um, but we'll see what happens I mean like the you know the quarantine everything it's gonna be hard to probably put the funds together
0: mm-hmm. to um, you know to do it up yeah you do it. to do it
1: again so we'll, we'll see. see we'll see what happens okay.
0: very cool so um, anything else that you would wanted to mention about the record that we, we didn't get to talk about uh, that I didn't ask you about
1: uh, Yeah. I mean, I hope everyone checks it out. Um, we have some like really great soloists, really great musicians on the record. The thing that I really like about it is I think that like most of my music is very, um, melodic and groove oriented as opposed to a little bit more esoteric and like artsy kind of, kind of stuff. I think that my music is like generally pretty accessible, even if you're someone that doesn't listen to jazz. So, um, I hope that everyone just takes, takes the chance to put it on and maybe you'll find something that you like. I think, that's one of the things um, that I've really tried to stay away from. I think a lot of records are always, like there's always a theme. You have to pick a theme or there has to be some type of overarching thing that, that puts the, you know, that makes the, the album come together. For me, it's just about the music and, I, and I've, I've tried really hard to make sure that I don't just play one type of music. Like the first track of the album is like very straight ahead jazz swing. Mm-hmm. And then the very next song is um, a samba in 7-4. And then we have something with the vocals and then you have like another kind of more fusion thing with the electric guitar. So I think there's, the album will keep you interested like from start to finish. There's always different types of styles, different kinds of music, backbeat, swing, Latin, everything, mm-hmm. so.
0: What, what do you think uh, makes you avoid the jazz nerd syndrome? <laughs> what do you mean by that? No, I'm just, I'm just being silly, but what,
1: well, no, yeah, but yeah. But uh, I,
0: by that, I mean, the, the esoteric artsy type of thing, you know, is like very prevalent in, in, you know, what people are putting out. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make a value judgment. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. what do you think has, what do you think has informed your musical approach that leads you to put, put a high importance on like having the variety and exposing all of your different influences? Like what makes you, why are you passionate about that?
1: Well, I, I, I just think about, um, I try to think about like making music that I would like to listen to myself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so like, that's just one of my values. I like stuff that like, that has like a good groove. And I like stuff that it's like melodic and like at, by the, when you leave a concert, there's something that you remember mm-hmm. and you take away with you. I think a lot of music coming out nowadays, it's like after you hear the first couple of tracks of the album, it kind of feels like this kind of like pastel wash to the end where sure. every song kind of has like a very similar vibe. You know, Mm -hmm. and so if you really wanted to create like a, an album that keeps people's attention. I think you need to have variety, you know, like if you go have like a meal at a fancy restaurant, they bring out, you know, something sweet, something sour, something, you know, that's like more um, savory, you know, Mm -hmm. there's all these different types of flavors that are happening rather than like, here is our, you know, here's our beer flight and it's all IPAs.
0: Yeah, right sure are yeah, yeah. gonna
1: have they're gonna put different types of stuff to give you a variety to see you know mm-hmm. so I know I mean like that's just always been my my kind of take I like going to concerts where people play different types of things and switch it up mm-hmm. you know and that's also part of the reason I think I, I've always liked larger ensembles is for that same type of variety mm. um, for me like for instance like a trio like a sax with bass and drums I think that's a really great texture um, However, I don't think I would ever really want to listen to a, an entire album of that of that same texture the whole way through. Right. Like having having the piano come back in adds like another another diverse element that makes it, you know,
0: yeah. And then no, you have
1: the, exactly yeah. So
0: yeah, I know what you mean for sure. Uh, that's interesting. I just some people feel very passionately the other way that they want it to be like a seamless experience or whatever. You know, that's just interesting. It's that's why. I, there's different artists for different people which is cool yeah um so what do you think you're gonna make it is it a big band next is that or more septet music what do you what are you what are you thinking
1: uh i mean i definitely have a lot of big band music like in the backlog too that i'd really like to do um i mean obviously a project like that's even more i know uh, like time consuming (laughs) and and crazy um yeah i'm not i'm not really sure what the next one is i would like to do the big band. This record itself actually um, while I was saying that it does stick with the core septet, Mm -hmm. most of the tracks I actually ended up adding extra instruments. So there's, I think there's a few tracks on here that have like 10 or 11 musicians playing. So you have the four horns rhythm section, but then you add the guitar, add percussion, add voice, Mm -hmm. or add vibraphone. So there's, so even in that way too, there's kind of, this kind of expanding.
0: Yeah, and so it's, I've re, I just realized that I forgot to ask you something that I really wanted to do, which was ask about the collaboration with Brian Lynch. And so, how did you end up getting him on the record, and what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, so uh, Brian and I know each other from University of Miami. Also, um, I played. He had an ensemble at the school called called the Brian Lynch Artist Ensemble, and um, it was like a bunch of like great players at the school, and we would meet a couple times a week and play a lot of his uh, Latin music. Hmm. And for a period of time, actually, we had a weekly gig um, at this place called PAX that, reason, that closed down in Miami. And we'd play every Monday night and play, and Brian would play with us. And then we'd open up for a jam session and then we'd come back. So we got to you know, hang out and play together a lot um, like that year of school. And uh, you know, so we always kept in touch and everything. And so I ended up asking him to play on the record and he was gracious enough to say yes. So that, that's pretty much what happened there.
0: Yeah. He's great, great comp- composer and trumpet player. So that's super yeah. cool. Which track is he on again? I can't remember off the top of my head. He's,
1: he's on the, uh, the first track, Double Vision, and he's also on uh, Crystal Lake.
0: All right. Yeah. And so um, the last thing I want to ask you about before I let you give, get on with your day is all the videos that you recorded, where people can find those and uh, watch them.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to be uploading all the videos onto YouTube and um, also onto my... Um, Uh, Instagram. So Mm -hmm. if you want to watch on the on the Instagram videos, um they should be there. Uh also my website, Mm JavierNero.com, all the videos will be there as well. So
0: awesome. So please go and support Javier, buy a physical copy or five. And uh, I'm (laughs) sure he has a few he'd like to part with. And uh, or stream it in your favorite place, uh Javier Nero on Instagram. It's just it's at Dr. Javier Nero, right? Your Instagram handle. And then JavierNero.com. And yeah, find them on your favorite streaming platform. The record's called Freedom. It came out on August 7th, 2020. And we're really excited to be able to share that music with you. So Javier, thanks so much for chatting today. Appreciate you being here. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one.